on CGRU, you're listening to Built to Play. I'm Armin Aguali. And I'm Daniel Rosen. Today, we're talking about two phenomenons. The first is No Man's Sky's continued fraught existence. Plus, Nintendo has announced the new console. Plus, with us today is Jonathan Orr, video games writer for the CBC. How you doing, John? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? We're doing great. I mean, how you doing, Dan? Come see, come sa. Fair enough. That, I mean, that fulfills our French language requirement, right? Yes. <laughs> the CRTC uh, box being checked, we can now proceed to our first topic. May we? Uh, <laughs> uh, no Man's Sky. So, No Man's Sky is a video game. It's been out for more than a month now. It's been. It came out early August. So yeah, a couple yeah, months actually. August like 18th, I believe. Yeah. So wow. Mid August now. Yeah. Been that long. It's been like two months. It's, yeah. it's an eternity in the games industry. Yeah. In the fall. Exactly. Like it may as well be. It may as well have come out three years ago oh. at this point. It's fair. When uh, it was announced. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The I mean, the, this is a game that had multiple delays. It had uh, it was announced with like a huge teaser trailer well, multiple was, years ago. Yeah, it was like twenty. It was v, the VGX, which are the which are <laughs> not the Spike Video Game Awards, um, in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, and then at E three twenty fourteen, it showed up on PlayStation on like the PlayStation conference where it was like the first indie game to get major exposure during an E3 con- during an E3 like, you know, big E3 conference. And it appeared at the time that Sony was handling a lot of that PR themselves. Like they yeah. they had their own reps getting up on stage talking yeah, about Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, Hell, like Sean Murray from Hell Games, the game's director was there as well and yeah. essentially the idea behind No Man's Sky as it was pitched early on was this is an infinite game. This is the, the this is the video game. It never stops. Your goal is to get to the center of the universe, but there's infinitely generate like infinite ge- infinitely procedurally generated planets that everybody is going. Everybody is on all at once, looking for the same thing at the same time. And, and like this game really appealed to people because it's one of those. It's like especially among like teenagers and stuff like that, where you can get like these are people with a lot of time on their hands, and they have this idea of like there's this world they want to explore. It fits the idea of the MMO of the virtual world of like the Second Life, but this is a really cool one that you want to live, and it's free once you pay for the initial game. Right. So the idea being that it's like it's it's an infinite MMO, so it is both semi-social experience, infinite games, so you get your money's worth. It has a space theme, and that's in right now. And the aesthetic of it is very cool, right? Like, it is a interesting-looking game. It's pretty. I mean, I, I think that, like, most... You take a screenshot of that game in a lot of places, um, it looks great. I mean, it doesn't look good as that final, that first trailer, but it looks, like, pretty incredible. Yeah, and so people kind of, I think, expected a lot of this game for various reasons. Um, but, I, I, you know, obviously, like, it, it did accomplish a lot of what it set out to do, but certainly not everything. And I think that's that's sort of where the problem started for No Man's Sky, which we've talked about before. Delays led to, you know, reports of delays led to fans sending death threats to Kotaku's Jason Schreier. Um, then the then there were reports from people who had early like had access copies of the game, uh, like Broken Street Date, who said that it was sort of like lacking a lot of the features and was a lot shorter and smaller than they were expecting it to be, which led to even more death threats and people saying that they were in fact lying in order to tank the game sales early which is um, like a weird like why would you even think that like a, yeah. who has that motivation and a, a day one patch sorted out most of that person's complaints but the keyword being most because things have only gotten weirder since then yeah i think it's fair to say that people um went from being incredibly hopeful filling in basically all the mysterious gaps of their promotional um target including them saying stuff like players can interact with each other and all this other stuff and they've taken really poorly to what the game actually is which yeah. I mean John you've actually played uh, No Man's Sky yeah was it a good game it was 
a really fascinating game. Um, the best way to describe it in any one adjective, I think, would be like a, it was a chill game. <laughs> um, you just you you find yourself. Well, that's not entirely true because like when I started, you you find yourself on a randomized planet environment. Um, like when your ship is destroyed or damaged and you have to go around to figure out um, finding the right elements and minerals and uh, raw materials to get yourself off the planet then you can finally start to explore um, I happened to start off at a very in a very hostile environment <laughs> so within about five minutes of me looking for like titanium uh, I had like robot hounds killing me um, so that was not the greatest um, but yeah, anyways, like beyond that, once you really get going, it's really more of a it's it's a game where you explore, but you're not necessarily looking for anything. Um, mm -hmm. You 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 take in the sights and the sounds, you look at the vistas, um, and it's really up to you to figure out what sh what you want out of it, um, because theoretically every planet is like huge, and you can go look for um, and document different uh, plant life, animals, and you could theoretically spend like up to ten hours or so on a single planet out of like you know, allegedly quintillions of planets or a effectively infinite number of planets. Um, but, you know, after about three to five hours, you get the sense that, oh, most of these planets are uh, at least functionally the same. Um, the You'll find the same kinds of or like varieties of minerals and plants and animals in every planet. Just like they, there might be something a little bit different from one to the next, like um, the, the dinosaurs will be a little bit bigger or they, or a little bit longer. You won't. Um, the, one of the bigger things that they took issue with or that certain gamers took issue with was that in the promotional materials you saw things like um, giant like brachiosaur long neck dinosaurs but like to most people's experience they haven't seen anything specifically like that which is also a difficult thing to talk about because like it's a procedurally generated game how does one know whether or not they'll find that particular procedurally generated version of a monster? But then nothing else, apparently nothing that most people found looked anything like it. So were these mock-ups anywhere, in any way represented in the final product? And that was uh, a major sticking point behind some of, uh, for some of the uh, more disappointed gamers, if that makes any sense. Something actually was, was interesting. I, I'm wondering, because you, you did say that, that a lot of this game is, is what you make out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of, people within the game's press who are sort of more aware of what this game was and are perhaps more aware of what the limitations of a game like this is are well, like conceptu of that. Conceptually, like, we, we have a sense of, like, you know, what kinds of games in this genre came out before. Like, I think, like, Don't Starve is a good example. Mm -hmm. uh, or Don't Starve Together. I, I, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very versed in this particular genre. But, you know, we, we got a sense with some, especially with some advanced previews that some members of the gaming press uh, in the United States of America got. Mm -hmm. Um that they had a better idea of what was going on um and like th they they probably had a sense that if the publishers if um hello games and sony were going uh, had uh, certain features that they really wanted to tout ahead of the game's release um that might have only been hinted at at trailers they would have shown them more in full force ahead of the release but they did not and, and i think there's also the case like you said like people sort of being aware of the intrinsic like what games have come out in the genre and mm -hmm. how difficult it would be to create something that yeah. is what gives a true depth of like every planet must be 100% different. Yeah. And like when you say genre, like what does that mean? Because when you when you bring out like survival genre, what is like what other games are like that? Like like um Rust or Daisy. But then when you say like the sci science fiction genre, then you're thinking 
um, Star Wars or EVE Online or Star Citizen, and those are not the kinds of games that No Man's Sky is. Yeah. I mean, this was made by, like, what, a 10-person team, 20-person team? Uh, fluctuated, like, 10, 13, and probably with other contracted work, but the core team of Hello Games is small. Yeah. And, and so kind of, I think, while certain people were, were aware of what this game perhaps could have been, a lot of people maybe didn't necessarily have that sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say, like, insight, but perhaps didn't have the kind of, you know, experience to be able to kind of parse, like, p- to parse the PR and understand this is likely what this game will be like. And, yeah, it's indicative of a wider sense of what gaming PR marketing is because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is a much wider discussion, um, but the, the trailers for No Man's Sky were very good at, um, set, uh, they were very evocative, and they yeah. set forth the tone of what that game was. Um, but what I think gamers are looking for is a more clear um, description of what kind of features or content they're expecting, uh, which is totally fair. Um, but like the the marketing for No Man's Sky really blurred the lines between like tone and features. Yeah. Um, I mean, like certainly veering more towards tone, whereas I think gamers were more interested in features, or at the very least, like there were certain key questions about what to expect from that game, and the trailers did not necessarily make that clear. Yeah. Or perhaps even worse. Um, they suggested a hint of what might be true, um, but in fact, what was not in the end. Um, but this is also further complicated by the factor that um, Sean Murray, the head of Hello Games, was also um, a little bit vague and potentially hinted at potential uh, features and uh, like, the like the multiplayer. Yeah. So, like when people were asking, like, will you find other people? Like, will you cross paths with others in in such an infinite universe? And like he kind of hinted, at us, like he said, maybe. Um, but the problem is when you say maybe in the marketing context of a game, that probably means yes. Yeah. But the opposite seemed to be true, at least in the final product. Yeah. And then that has led to, uh, at least I think last month, the UK Advertising Standards Authority started looking into No Man's Sky's promotion mm-hmm. and is currently evaluating whether or not the game was being advertised with content that isn't in the game itself. Yes. Um, they have said that they're not looking at things that Sean Murray has said in interviews. They're not looking at members of Hello Games' statements. Um, but they also have said that, like like you said earlier, who knows? This game is procedurally generated. It is almost impossible to say if something is or is not in this game beyond like yeah. a core feature. Yet at the same time, like the uh, the store page on Steam, the piece on the PC store side, they still have the first announced trailer, which showed a bunch of things that are not that we seen we can come to the conclusion that are not in the game there is no giant sand snake creature or no one as far as i know has encountered that no one seems to have encountered a large long neck version of a dinosaur so and they've also included the first promotional screenshots many of which include um very uh tropical and paradise like planets that um you know depending on how things go you might never run into and it's 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 a weird strange place to be as far as a procedural and generation of of content like is that is that what you're going to see like maybe um, it, it's hard to advertise procedural generated content in that yeah, way yeah right? and like, like you, i don't you can't think say yeah. what is and what it isn't because who knows it's random it's and also like, like i don't think most um i don't think most like advertising committees are like they weren't formed at a time when this kind of question was was you know mm-hmm. at the forefront of gamers' minds. Like when you say procedurally generated, it's more like oh hey this like random sword in Diablo can have any one of twenty names and we roll a dice. But like theoretically, if this algorithm that they talked about in No Man's Sky 
like what the algorithm that they said was behind No Man's Sky is as complex as they say it is, um, then like it could it could present theoretically infinite possibilities. Like how do you possibly figure out legislation or or you know market guidelines for that? Like I have no idea. Realistically, one would probably take the conclusion that it is not literally infinite in its possibilities. But then how do you figure out? What those limits are. Yeah, like how, how do you define that? You know, yeah. I'm not sure. And, and all that brings us to this week. Because uh, part of the, I think, issue that a lot of commu- the community took was that no Man- the Hello Games and No Man's Sky basically went full radio silence. Like, they're, they have not made statements about the game. They have fixed bugs and released patches. But there have been no statements on what is and isn't in the game. And earlier this week, uh, or last week actually, rather... Um, a tweet went out from the Hello Games account that simply said, No Man's Sky was a mistake. And peop- journalists looking into the story from Forbes and Mashable were sent an email from a Hello Games account that has previously been associated with Sean Murray. Uh, with, and within that email, that, that you know there was a claim that the tweet was sent out by a disgruntled employee. Later that, later that day, Kotaku also received an email from another Hello Game account under Sean Murray's name. Uh, that went that was um, that sort of argued that the silence from Hello Games has been quote unwarranted and unprofessional, uh, and then about how the community forced Murray's hand to respond and that all, the whole game was a mistake and the way they advertised it was a mistake. Um, but that information, the other information presenter of fact, facts wise, doesn't fit with the other email sent and other like Murray's own accounts of what had happened, which is that his LinkedIn was hacked because he didn't have two two factor authorization. Yeah. Um, so th- the best I can gather is that. Um, so the original tweet that com- that came from Hello Games' account, not yeah. not Sean Murray's. Right? Well, it came, Sean Murray's account is hell is uh, is, is is like linked to uh, the Hello Games account. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so like they're they're oh no sorry at Sean Murray is, is No Man's Sky. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So did it come through the No Man's Sky account or the Hello Games? account? I believe it came through the Hello Games account. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But that tweet itself originated from Murray's LinkedIn, which is also linked through his yes. that Twitter account. That's Hello right. That, the, the Hello Games Twitter account made that tweet, and you could see in older versions of it, it said, sent via LinkedIn, yep. which um, ran in, you know, it led to an interesting tweet from, or rather an amusing tweet from Sean afterwards saying like, oh, hey, by the way, we should probably put two-factor authentication on all of our LinkedIn accounts, to which I would counter... Uh, why do you have oh, a LinkedIn, LinkedIn account? Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> this is the most press LinkedIn has gone in probably a decade. <laughs> I'm sure there are I'm sure there are sectors outside video games where LinkedIn is a big deal. So, I'm only speaking from my perspective. So. I mean, but yeah, this I, I feel like this is sort of symptomatic of the large thing where a a fan is so disgruntled with the radio silence that they take it upon themselves to end that radio silence by pretending to be Hello Games. Mm. And it, the the idea of it then just coming out and saying it was a mistake. I mean, it's it's funny. I the ultimately, I think John's right in the sense that the this is very hard to like determine on an advertising level. I think like multiple. I mean, they, someone attempted to contact the the U.S. advertising board at one point. Um, the problem ultimately with a game like this, beyond procedural generation, is that like um, the way a lot of these boards determine what is like a real thing is whether or not the product existed in that form at any one time. So for all we know, there was a mock-up version of this game that maybe wasn't procedurally general that had all those features or had all those things in it, but they couldn't scale it up. Um, so, I mean, like, there's a lot of weird different things. And I think like the idea of the community just kind of lashing out in this way is a totally interesting well, they've outcome. They've also like shut down the communities. Like the the subreddit was shut down due to like toxicity and infighting, and a different subreddit opened up, but it wasn't as big because they banned the infighting. Uh, I, I opened that subreddit 
to th- this morning just to look into it for these notes and found that um, multiple posts had to be tagged as positive, <laughs> which is an interesting like decision that has been made by that community. Turmoil on Reddit. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed, right? But it's it's interesting that you know the idea that like this community cannot. It's essentially it's a war between the people who are satisfied with the game and people who are dissatisfied with the game, and. Obviously, that has happened with games before, but never to this kind of scale in in such a personal way for people. There were people who mm. didn't let you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good of a good comparison. I can't necessarily do it. I can think of one that's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be Shenmue Three. Oh well, oh, yes. God. absolutely. Shenmue Three is going to be very interesting. Well, you know what? That's not a bad idea because a lot of the Mighty Number no. Nine certainly had a, had a not the same, but a similar action because that was sort of universally reviled. But but the, for different reasons because yeah, like in that the was because it was actually a bad game. Yeah, was, sure, but also in in the case of Mighty Number no. Nine, we had kind of the opposite problem of the radio silence of Hello Games where. Um, the, the guy who oh my Inifune? God, Inifune, yes, he was very openly talking about you know kickstarting other games and signing you know movie or animation projects and we're talking about all these other things they're doing. Meanwhile, the backers are like, "Where's Mighty Number no. Nine? Yeah. Um. So, uh, it, I mean, there were a lot of threads to draw here, but yeah, sure. it's fascinating. But also, one of the things I found fascinating was um. When uh, PlayStation's Shuhei Yoshida, he mentioned yes, he said that they he was he was asked about this, and he he said along the lines of, um, yeah, he he was he kind of vaguely agreed that the final product was a little bit um, disappointing compared to what it was sold as, and in the end, in the end, he said like, oh yeah, well they didn't have a PR person, yeah. which I mean maybe they didn't have one attached, but like your Sony people have talked about that game in the past, and then saying. By the way, in the end, it's an indie game or it's an indie studio. Yep. But like, here's the problem: like, Sony put their full weight of, um, at least hype, if not you know, uh, specially um, assigned marketing to that game. It was an indie game that was that was promoted like a triple A game. Yep. And like, at so, like, I don't know like how how the um, responsibilities fall under who did who you know does what or who cuts the trailers or who distributes them. Um, I would love to know. Um, but Shuhei Yoshida, if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, Yoshida um, listens every week. We will, you know, we'll we'll put in that word for you to be in the next Cappy game. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> as, as though as though we, they need as though they need us. Anyways, that's a horrible tangent. Um, like I would love to know how that how that all fell apart, um, or how that came together and then fell apart. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a mess, and uh, I don't know what to do if it, I don't know what I don't know what to do if it in the social media um, universe where like radio silence means you may also be inviting people to hack your accounts and that I mean not that you're inviting people but that threat or that possibility is always there <laughs> and like that's potentially disastrous um, and I don't necessarily know if there's any way to protect against that no so, and, yeah. and I think and, and, and that's the thing right like where does this uh, to a certain extent uh, assuming that there is no more "Quote unquote, like work being done on No Man's Sky, that there's no like future content for this game because I don't even know how you do DLC for that game. They have suggested that they will be adding more features, but that was like at their last substantive yeah. blog post right before launch, and who knows if yeah. any plans have changed since then. Like, uh, I, I'm and I'm not really sure. Like, it's it's feature stuff, not like content stuff. Yeah, like so. there was talk about like trading or base building, but like oh, who knows how far away that is? I mean, yeah. I don't know. So and like assuming that, like, what does that leave as the you know, like you said, like it feels like this game came out three years ago. What what is the legacy of Mighty Number no. Nine? Of Mighty Number no. of No Man's Sky? <laughs> Sorry, the legacy of Mighty Number no. Nine is that pizza is that pizza tweet from the Sonic account. <laughs> but what is legacy? Of no at Man's Sonic Nine? at Sonic underscore Hedgehog is a phenomenon in and of itself. Yes. <laughs> 
But what is the legacy of, of No Man's Sky then? Because I think I'm sorry, Armand. Yeah, please. I would say that. So the the legacy that we have here is like one. I think is the lessons learned from hey, how to handle a, a marketing campaign. One, hire a PR person. Like just just sure. have someone on staff who is like good at this stuff, because clearly whatever they did was not to their advantage. Do you ever think it is like? And I'm just taking a coaching session. Just talk to Sean. Like, hey, maybe don't tease things we don't know is in the final build yet. Exactly. And, like, I, I understand there's always been, like, uh, developers like talking about the features of their games, right? And maybe they plan bigger. Or maybe there was, like, there are features down the line that they hope to add that were part of this stuff. But we don't know any of that. So it's, like, it's a confu- be straightforward with your messaging. I mean, ultimately, that's what this failure was. And, like, if they had managed, even if they hadn't, like, even if they had promised all this stuff, if they had managed to properly message since then, people may have had a better expectations for what the game was. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for for Hello Games, I think the 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 legacy is going to be a pain in the butt for the next year, if not two years, if not three years, until they release their next game. Who will be able to give another? Like, who will give Hello Games another chance? Like, even if this wasn't necessarily a total failure of a product. Who will give Hello Games another chance if they decide to make another game? Because they they, will, yeah. this one still technically isn't finished. They will be put under a an intense amount of scrutiny for whatever next game they announce. Um, but like more immediately, whatever their next major or like noticeable content update will be for No Man's Sky, which is I mean it's, it's a weird thing because who is still playing it? Who will have they lost players who um, might not come back if they announce something really killer for their next update? Like what will they have to do to bring those players back? Do they want to? Um, I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah, um, and and yeah, and I think that what's so I think it sort of comes back around to like I think one of the earlier interviews of this game, Sean Murray said that uh, one of the reasons he wanted to make this was because he was having like a weird crisis around making Joe Danger two because he didn't want to he, after leaving Criterion he didn't just want to make sequels mm-hmm. and so he's just like I want to make the like I I want to make the last game I would ever want to make like I'm gonna make my dream game. He that that might end up being the truth for him and that and that's the thing right like. He made the game he always wanted to make, and I don't know, after all this, I don't know where you go from there. Um, There's a book in here somewhere. Somewhere. But uh, I do know where we go from here. Yeah, so the, <laughs> No Man's Sky may, may have been a mistake, but the uh, but we don't know if the Nintendo switches. Mm. Actually, actually uh, one, one last note. Breaking uh, news, perhaps. Um, something just came up on... Mm. On, oh uh, yes, Kotaku. I did see that. So I did appa- see this. Apparently, Valve has just announced, or or there, there was a te- there was a, a leak, um, a leaked email, um, a potentially leaked email that had later been confirmed that Steam or Valve is now working to ban uh, misleading screenshots on the store pages of its uh, of, of games on Steam. So <laughs> uh, it made a, a pronouncement, or you know, a, they're working to show that you know in the screenshots, you know, where you see previews of the game on the on the on the uh, page. They have to actually be screenshots of the game, so no CG, no uh, concept art. Theoretically, nothing that would be considered misleading about what the game is, uh, and that I find that really fascinating. Um, I don't know what that means as far as like you know maybe maybe promotional art or CG or you know our concept art is kind of cool as long as it's clearly marked as such. Mm-hmm. Um, where do um, where, where do you, where do, where yeah, do where preview do where, where, like yeah where do screenshots of like preview builds count? My my my. Uh, initial impression is that this is, would be done to perhaps minimize like the No Man's Sky case where the the announcement trailer is still up there when like it can mm-hmm. be it's pretty well just established that the final game does not have everything in, that is in that trailer so I mean who knows where we go from here I'm not entirely sure but yeah 
where we do go from here is the Nintendo Switch. Oh, so <laughs> yes, but apologies for the detour. No, 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 no. worries. That, that was we, a fun but, detour. Yeah, but we also have we also and we also got to do two clean segues, the same one. Yeah. It was the exact same segue we had both times. <laughs> it's uh, it works out. So okay, Nintendo has announced um, that they are working that the name of their new console it is the well they, the, they've, they've announced more than the name, but yeah they've they've announced it, the Nintendo NX has become the Switch. The, the Nintendo Switch, which has led to many people making various jokes about the name. I actually, th- I mean, if we don't want to talk the name before we really talk about the machine, I think okay. it's a good name. It's fine. It's it's, it's yeah. exactly what the, the product is. It is. It is. It it clearly communicates what that system is as far as what their major um, pitch, as far as you know, what what that uh, system does. Um, it it switches formats from home to to portable. Um, it is an actual word, which is a nice change. <laughs> That's a very nice change um, in their last because you know five like consoles w- with the Wii. It's it's W I I, not a real word. Um, which like whatever. That's totally fine. But you know, you don't need Reggie Fizeme going up on a uh, press conference stage explain what the word switch means. It's pretty <laughs> self explanatory. I, I was I was talking about this like right when the name came out. I think the name is um is interesting because it's very Google. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very like. In the way that, like, Google, like, just a, like, mononym that is single-syllable, like, Chrome, Pixel. Oh, Pixel's two syllables, but still. It's Chrome, a Pixel, single, is a single Home. clear idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, just a clear, like, a, a real word that tells you what this thing is. Um, but before we get too deep into the yeah. semantic importance of the word switch. Well, I was, yeah. Uh, the, we should talk about what the, what it actually represents in terms mm-hmm. of the product itself. So, with the Nintendo Switch, it is going to be what people long suspected it to, of being, which is a touchscreen well, device. We don't know that it has a touchscreen. We do know that it has a touchscreen, actually, uh, they're, from they're recent reports. That's there, r- there were reports suggesting yes. that Yes, yeah. okay, so it's been rumors that are, but yeah. I think it's highly likely. Um, I'm not oh, sure. I, I, would agree, I would agree it's totally yeah. likely. It's just it, I'm not sure Nintendo's been, saying, said they haven't come out to say yes yeah. or no yet. Fair enough. In any case, it's a tu- it's a screen device that you can hold in your hand like a tablet that has you can place controllers on either end, and it can go into a dock that you can play games on a screen. Um, the Nintendo Switch is uh, was it, it will uh, is probably not going to be backwards compatible with. They, other they've games? explicitly said it isn't. Yes, yeah, so it's not backwards compatible with any at least not phys- at least not hardware compatible. So the Switch plays uh, game cards or cartridges. You know, more like SD cards, but uh, the format is, like, the physical format is slightly different. They have said that it is not the same, like, port or slot as uh, a, a 3DS or, or a DS game. So yeah. you're out of luck there. Um, I mean, wh- what, what that means, who knows? Like, it's not as though there's going to be a disc on that thing anyways, right? Yeah. So. It's the core conceit of the whole thing is that you can put the dock, you can put the, the tablet into the dock, and it'll play games on the TV. You can take the tablet out, and you can play ga- uh, games on the go. Which is what the whole thing was was yeah. rumored well, to be. What kind of people expecting? We're expecting of it. Um, Presumably, this will eliminate the need for a handheld in the near future. Well, that's the thing. I think Nintendo's treating this the way they treated the DS back in two thousand and three when they announced it, and they said like back then the idea was like the DS is our third pillar. It's not meant to replace the Game Boy family, uh, with the implication that I mean, if it does, we'll be really happy because it would save us a lot of money. Uh, so I think the implication is here is like we aren't intending the Switch to replace the 3DS family, um, but if it does, that'd be great because making only one machine is so much easier and cheaper than making two, making and supporting two machines. 
Yeah, um, it seem. I mean, it seems pretty clear that they are banking on their two strengths, which are home, home console games with their uh, flagship franchises that mm-hmm. no one else could make, um, and a portable audience because they have always dominated the portable, dedicated gaming machines. Um, there, there are a lot of other questions going on here because, like, when you like when you make a product that is like I don't know about a six or seven inch tablet, as well as the added width of those controllers. Um, that is that is bigger than a 3ds. It is bigger than a Game Boy. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as you know, screen size. Um, there had been some uh, hesitant. There was some hesitance about the idea, like, oh, I, I bring my Game Boy or I bring my DS or whatever. But like, that thing's too big. And like, I'm not sure about that because who really puts, puts a 3ds in their pocket nowadays? Especially kids. They probably carry it in a case with a in a bag, like an iPad. Uh, like other tablets, so um, maybe, people do carry their iPads places. Yeah, and like maybe maybe that transition is super modern and natural. Like mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while, I find myself in a crowd of you know at uh, unveilings at malls or whatever of new products, and there's always one dude taking photos with a giant iPad and kind of like that guy at a wrestling crowd who puts a, who holds a sign up in front of your face. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe maybe it's yep. totally cool. I, and I, sure. I also think that there's there's a lot to be said about like you said the, the the not necessarily the size of it, but those controllers on the side of it. Oh yeah, because I think those are the things like gimmick to a certain extent. Like, I don't want to say gimmick because I feel like the, the gimmick here is our hardware is flexible. Yeah, as opposed to the gimmick of other machines being our hardware is inflexible. Because <laughs> the Wii's gimmick was it ha- you you basically have to use motion control. Other, unless you want to buy extra accessories, the gimmick of the Wii U was you basically have to use a tablet unless you buy an extra controller. Uh, whereas the, the the again the quote unquote gimmick here is you have a normal it, you can you have a normal controller at home and a tablet on the go yeah um, but the 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 switch being those like the clicking it, the sound of it in the trailer was the the, cl- the very satisfying click very very cathartic clicking noise but I'm I'm interested in those things because one of the things they they show in the trailer is they're called the Joy Cons by the way which is the best name for any controller ever um, <laughs> Joy Con okay. Joy Con left and Joy Con right. Yeah. Is that is that their official names for each yes. of them? Okay, yeah, they are they are they are the Joy-Con controllers. That is from their press release. Yep. from the joystick and controller. Yeah, Joy-Con. It's very uh, Japan circa 1994. Um, that is the use, world. I could that, use more of that. That's, it's, that's, I'm, that's, that's cool. why that's why I'm down with it. But I do think that the um, I'm interested in those things because the idea that you pull, so like on the tablet they make sense to me. In the controller dock, they make sense to me. It's when they turn them on their side to play a multiplayer game that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They're basically like really small versions of the Wii remotes. Right, because imagine, but imagine the size of that thing. Because how how tall are they? That I mean, that's a question that we yeah. don't have the, an answer to yet because like they won't. They're they're not saying anything else about the Switch until yeah uh, January. Jan- January. So we presumably no one in the press will be able to speak on the record about Obviously. any impressions or hands on hands-on time with them so it, it's you know it's always a matter of like well how big is it how how solid is the construction I, yeah. what are the buttons like um, i'm mostly comparing it to this i'm mostly interested because in, it was it was the way they were holding in the controller yeah because yeah. those things looked extraordinarily small yeah it looks um, smaller than the wii remote which means that, like we which, definitely clearly, the wii yeah. remote. which was already uncomfortable to use sideways I, I, well i think that was actually pretty the wii remote was pretty fine sideways personally i didn't hate it um yeah. it, it, actually it had some added heft thanks to the use of double a batteries which yeah is another strange and uh, archaic technology, which I still love to use. I, I had to buy a AA batteries to power a Wiimote uh, just, yeah. this, just last weekend. That's cl- Anyways, that's a tangent. We probably need <laughs> a fewer of those. Yes. Um, <laughs> batteries, I mean. But, but the, the it's interesting that it's essentially... Um, 
I, I couldn't quite tell in the controllers, like, are they joysticks or the circle pads that the, that the 3DS has? I, I think they're regular... Regular um, thumbsticks. Thumbsticks, yeah, like um, you would find on the Wii Nunchuck. It is the first time Nintendo has done a cross pad that is just buttons and not a cross pad. Yeah. Uh, but they after need, yeah. inventing the D-pad. But they need that because uh, yep. if, if you're going to use both sides of the Joy-Con um, in a fairly analogous or a parallel version, yep. um, they, they need, need to, to be, be functionally the same, the same right? So mm. and, and then it also opens up the idea of... You know, I can play this with other people. There's also that one that was like the guy was holding just like both sides of it in two hands and just using yeah. it as a separate controller, which just seemed insane to me. Yeah, it's no. like a bad version of the Wiimote and Nunchuck. It Wha- seemed well. I mean, theoretically, it could be really good in the sense that it's a wireless version of the Wiimote and Nunchuck, which like might work great. So maybe, but I it's it depends also. Like apparently, there are also reports that say that the the Joy-Con have uh, I like have IR sensors on them and can be yeah. used as Wiimotes, which. Sure, maybe. Like, let's just throw everything in there. It's also a DDR pad. Um, I would, I would buy, I would buy that. I mean, they had it as a balance board. Oh dear, yes. <laughs> I mean, like, you know. And, well, and that's the thing, right? Fun. That peripheral idea, like the idea of peripherals and, 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 a, and a balance board, opens up the like, is the, can you slide up? Like, they have hinted that you can slide other things on there, and people have opened up to the idea that like the Joy-Con can also be replaced with a gun con, which was actually the name of a dream co- the Dreamcast peripheral, but a, a fishing rod con or a, yeah. you know, GameCube con. <laughs> they, they seemed to, like, there was a tweet that went out with uh, some sketched out mock-ups of like, yeah. well, let's say you could detach the uh, the right so- the right Joy-Con from the tablet and instead attach um, like a weird yokai watch exactly. that has like the spinny thing that you do to find yokai and then other other versions of it. or like like as, uh, as an esports guy you would probably love the, the prospect of like what if you put like two sides of a GameCube controller onto a tablet that would be a terrifying thought <laughs> it's so huge yeah um, what I, if you could take those two sides of the GameCube of a GameCube Joy-Con and then put them on the dock? Yeah, exactly. Just snap <laughs> right? them into like a nicer, wider huh. GameCube setup. That'd or be, even mm. what if what if I could take one side of it and just slide in the the GameCube adapter for GameCube controllers, right? Like, so yeah. There's just a lot. There's there's a lot of opportunities there and for still something. A lot of unanswered questions. Absolutely. But I think that I'm. I think that that is. It is interesting that Nintendo is saying like because they have said like this is an opportunity that we may explore. Not saying no to it simply because and like you said before, maybe in in this industry essentially means yes at some point um, for, for would, a lot of people. I wouldn't take it as a yes, at the, obviously, but I'm saying that I think when you say maybe, you're not no commenting it. True. Uh, um, but I mean, at the same time, like, I'm still waiting for that olive green colored Wii, so. Well, that was, yeah, that w- I, I feel like that actually came out in Japan. Did it? I feel like it I did. I feel like I'm the only one who remembers that They that just, picture. listen, they just came out with a olive, with an olive green 3DS. I would still buy the hell out of an olive green Wii. I just... <laughs> They, I, yeah, I like those. The, I mean, they announced the Wii with a with the black revolution, not the white yeah. one, and the yeah. black one didn't come out until like four years in. So yeah, there's the Nintendo's track record of like details like this are sure. up and down. So right, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that there is a. It is interesting that they're exploring that simply because while peripherals have kind of gone completely by the wayside over the last couple <laughs> of years, they are completely out of favor. For good reason. They do make a lot of money when you are successful with them. Sure. Uh, but they are also, well, I mean, it, it can open up a lot of weird possibilities yeah. with every every publisher, every developer trying to make their it, own. It also ends up with, like, every game. Like, that Yokai watching is like, here, it's going to be boxed with the controllers. Like, that's a terrible thing. Uh, I don't want to have a new controller with every game. That also has major implications as far as shelf space for retail. Yeah. It, it I, which would is make why retail I, relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
The um, make retail relevant again it was a <laughs> sort of a failed campaign slogan for mm. Nintendo. So there's a lot of questions here when it comes to, like the actual technicalities of the thing. Like there's we don't know if it's going to have um, like memory that you can yep. add on. We don't know. Um, there's a stylus. We don't know if there's going to be any kind of like streaming video. Um, if there's going to be any kind of video services. I'm, I'm willing to bet that Nintendo is going to go very light on the home entertainment yes. side of things on this one. I feel like. And I think this that gets wasn't into what anybody used the Wii U for, and it wasn't what anybody really used the Wii for. At the same time, um, the idea of taking the Switch with you that is essentially a tablet that you can only play games on seems a little weird. I, yeah, definitely. Because definitely like I would too. love to tra- like I would hate to travel with a Switch and also have to carry an iPad if that's the kind of thing I did. Mm-hmm. Um, like some basic, uh, like maybe even like just like let's say just YouTube and Netflix uh, or like video playback capability on the yeah. switch I, I definitely think it might have like lot. those kind of applications I meant more in the sense of like but we don't know yet right we, right. we don't have any idea about that kind uh, of I'm, I'm willing I'm willing to take the safe bets on like Netflix and YouTube applications I meant more in the sense of like the things they did like the, the TV thing on the Wii U oh, yeah, the, right. the, like that kind of stuff I think they're not interested in anymore or like the way that Xbox the Xbox One does cable streaming I still think is entirely within the possibility that they don't have any of those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, absolutely they might, just, they might just treat it like a well I mean I was going to say they might treat it like a 3DS with a big screen but um, the 3DS but has like, Netflix and YouTube it totally does and like I have heard from people who uh, years ago bought the Wii simply because it was an easy to set up Netflix machine. Yeah, that which, is true. Which is crazy, but that is that, a thing It that was happens. in the early days of uh, of people using Netflix. The Wii was the easiest, the cheapest way to access it. Yeah, that is totally true. So. And, yeah. I mean, the one thing I think comes out of this is that there's, uh, Nintendo is finally has, they've signaled two things. That they're moving away from gimmicks in terms of well, their... In terms of their hardware design, yeah. Yes, and they're moving, they're also trying to push like a central metaphor of what this device is supposed to do it's very play focused and it's very play with others focused well i think it's i I said this to you and i I don't know where i stand on this idea now but but i'll I'll throw it at the table because i think it's it's an interesting thing to chew on um it felt like a not angry middle finger or anything but it sort of felt like a very pointed like no to vr and the way people Mm -hmm. play with vr that commercial which is just a lifestyle video of your your friend Chet playing some Nintendo. I, I, you have a friend named Chet? I don't, but I'm saying... Have like, you ever met anyone named Chet? Because, like, never I, in my life. Huh. Um, right. But I meant, like, the you're with a capital Y. The royal you're. The royal uh, Chet. The royal Chet. His Majesty Chet. This is... this. I'm writing this down. This is going to be my next character sheet in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> King Chet. Oh. Um, and, his Ninten- and, his, and his Nintendo. And well, also, I think there's also like that, that the meme that's gone around of that of the woman, Karen, who takes the Nintendo Switch to her party with all her cosmopolitan girlfriends, which is amazing to me because no, no one would do that. <laughs> yeah, so like, just, just as a recap in the, in the trailer, um, this, this one who, who I, I believe is actually unnamed in the trailer. Yes, um, she is, there is no name. Pla- she is playing what, hap- what appears to be a new Mario game in her like, a wildly um, luxurious studio apartment. Um, her friends on the the rooftop, roof of the next on the, on the rooftop next next door over says, "Come on outside." So she takes she takes her switch, and there's a sense of 
oh great she's coming here and she's bringing her video game we're just here we're trying to drink and <laughs> we're socialize. trying to have, we're trying to be adults yeah and yeah, she's so like, here with her Mario okay now she's bringing now she's bringing out the tablet she's setting it down she's giving someone else a controller so okay we'll humor her for one game <laughs> the, see what happens which is which is amazing to me because I will say that that going before I go back to the the idea of it I will say that 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 lifestyle video was great for me as a uh, disaffected millennial to watch people to watch millennials with more money than me in beautiful apartments yeah. those um, were really nice those apartment. were beautiful My apartments. God. Um, the way it was, the way it was shot, almost suggested. Like at first, made me wonder. Like, wait, is the first guy who was shown in his apartment was he actually taking a plane to play a game? On a, in, yeah, in his, his other apartment. Yeah, <laughs> which, which like I, when I looked at it, it was like, no, it wasn't true. The, the guy with the sad dog was not the same uh, same as the guy in the airplane. I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's but at the same time, it's interesting. It it really set the tone of what kind of things you can do with the machine. I, I think most people are would understand that. A bunch of guys playing basketball would probably not also set up two switches to play basketball right afterwards. Um, I mean, maybe maybe someone does or someone will, um, but it's just like the best visual representation of yeah. like, hey, this is what you can do. This is what it is like. This here is, is the these social, are the people. Here is the social element it. of yeah. it, especially like with the with the Mario Kart thing. Um, you know, they a bunch of guys. Um, they in a in a Nissan Cherry van. Yeah, um, shout outs to Ratchet Transformer. Um, <laughs> they're playing Mario Kart. And then go p- to a go kart. It was like okay, like I get where you're going. Like that's probably probably never going to happen. But the but idea is that it can, and I think that's the point yeah. here. Like, the very rarely in that commercial, because it's always I think it's important that the video starts with starts and ends with somebody playing at home. Mm-hmm. But every other point of that commercial is somebody leaving home to play with another person, or in one case, a dog. Um, <laughs> bec- I, and I think the idea being that like Nintendo has explicitly said they are not interested in doing VR. They do not like the idea. Like they do not like the idea of VR. It is not something they're exploring. And maybe it's because they're the only ones of the big companies who've been burned on a, admittedly very limited version of VR, but have been burned on VR before, uh, on attempting VR before. And we also don't, like it's easy. You, you also I'm also noting that that video had nothing of your typical uh, like Silicon Valley tech. Yeah. product unveils there was no there were no like lurid um product shots, shots of like, no. the corner of the thing it was very much on the people who were playing and yeah. how they were it playing is, it it there is a no... machine about play and a machine about why people play there, and not a yeah. and not a machine about playing alone by yourself because the technology is so sexy there wasn't there wasn't a voiceover from some dude talking about how revolutionary it was there wasn't like a a tech spec thing showing like how thin it is or how or you know how many like how powerful it is or what the gpu is like i'm thinking very much like also of the uh the project scorpio announcement which is very much about oh know, yeah talking heads talk about how amazing this is or it's a monster look at these teraflops um and it's like well sure like these things might be super fascinating for like you know for press as well as for uh, tech heads but when you are trying to um to capture, sell an idea to capture the mainstream uh potentially the audience who does not necessarily identify themselves as hardcore gamers because Nintendo has always been kind of an an, an umbrella kind of uh, an, an umbrella corporation um, looking for a wider audience like yeah that was probably really smart because they probably wanted to look as little like a tech trailer or a tech announcement as possible yeah and I think that going back to, to my like the name being a Google thing I, it very much feels like they're trying to sell this not as a ga- at least at the moment, right? Not necessarily as a gaming machine, but a lifestyle product. Yeah. This is a thing you go and hang out with people with. This is a thing you take places. It's a conversation piece. This is this is not an iPad that you sit alone in your room and read from at night. This is not ju- this is not like you know, or you open up on the plane. This is something you take 
to play, you know, to the car, to hang out with people for a road trip, to the basketball court, to your friend's apartment. Or the Obviously, very least, or the very least, it's something that you can do. You because can do it that. started with a guy yes. playing because the again, Legend the, of Zelda the, at home. But like it, it's about the versatility. Yeah. The point of it is that this is a home machine, but it is flexible because your life changes in the way that a Google, like the idea behind most these Google products is that they are relatively flexible to suit. They're customizable. They can do what you need them to. And it is very much a specific reversal of what the Wii and the Wii U were going for, which were still social products to play with your friends at home. But I think that the idea that the Wii and the Wii U are closed system experiences you are, and they were the name and the imagery of both of them are modeled after Apple. And I think it's very much the Wii was a controlled experience. There, the Wii is a very limited machine, in terms of what it can do and what you can do with it when you're designing things for it, especially, especially the motion to, control, especially compared to a lot of uh, current products. Absolutely. And then the Wii U is very much limited in what it can do because you're forced to use the gamepad, which is a very limited piece of technology. It's it's pretty low tech, especially compared to the rest of the Wii U. Um, the, that screen is not very good. Um, but it was kind of their first go, and in a lot of ways, the Switch yes. um, looks to be uh, the like the natural evolution of the ideas of the Wii U. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the um, I, I think what's what's interesting about it as a like changing lifestyle product and reaction to that kind of like Apple esque system they had developed prior is that the uh, like. Again, I think it's just a reaction to the idea that you are playing games with other people. You are Nintendo does not want you to be playing games alone, even though you can. They or, or at the very least, they do not want you to be forced to play all your games alone. Yeah. Uh, they do not want you to be forced into having to play games a certain way. They want you to. They, I think a lot of thought went into, unlike the Wii U, I think a lot of thought went into why people want to play games. I think and it was designed to, around that. I think they were forced to because oh, they, yeah. they had an idea of what people would do with the Wii U, and it turns out that not as many people were going to do that. Yeah, I, again, I think Nintendo, like a lot of Japanese companies, is sort of limited in their understanding of the way people play video games. Hmm. Um, simply because I, I don't know that Nintendo of Japan really understands much of the way that North Americans play video games. That's a significantly larger portion of their market. The PlayStation 4 was the first of the Sony line stuff designed in the States, not in Japan. By, nor by a North American team with Japanese engineers as well, but primarily North Americans from an architectural standpoint. Um, I mean, Mark Cerny was in charge of the thing, for heck's sake. But I think that there is... I, I think that, you know, you look at stuff like the, the PSP and the PS Vita as examples of, like, stuff that makes sense in Japan that doesn't make sense here. Hmm. Stuff that did do well in Japan that didn't do well here for hardware reasons, not necessarily game reasons. Um, they focus on ad hoc multiplayer, a focus on, you know a self-contained machine and I think that perhaps obviously they're forced to because the Wii U put them in a position where they have to do well with this thing and so they have to think about these things but I think that, like you said the Wii U was clearly like they had an idea of what you would do with this but clearly nobody wanted to do that with that thing hmm. I think we're all excited to find out what this thing is even going to look like in terms of like a, a product that you can hold um, that's probably gonna, we're not going to see it as you I said want, uh, until I, January yeah, until January. Listen, uh, like everybody, all I want is a console that I I'm going to want to protect. <laughs> and I think we'll have to wrap things up there. Uh, from CGRU, this has been Built to Play. I'm Armin Bali. I'm Daniel Rosen. Uh, thanks again for joining us, John. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on internet? Oh, dear. Um, I am. You can find my work, for the most part, on cbcnews.ca. Um, I'm usually working on the arts and tech sections. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm usually against my better judgment. Um, 
at John underscore O or so J O N underscore O R E. So yeah, you can find me. I'll be around. There. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Built to Play or visit our website, builttoplay.ca. You can follow us on Twitter at Built to Play. Yeah. Uh, Armand, people can find you on Twitter at. Uh, at Flarcon. That's F L A R K C O N. They can find me on Twitter where I've been tweeting less, mostly because I value my sanity or something, I guess. Uh, you can find you can find an archive of past tweets at Daniel underscore Rosen. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much.